Embark on a journey with us where resilience meets opportunity. This is The Dirt Road to Success. Welcome back to Dirt Road to Success. I'm Skip Colvin, the host. Thanks again for Scott being here with us. We had a previous episode uh, where we talked about the Constitution, the Education Department, kind of the impacts to that and what's going on in the nation. But today we're going to talk specifically about freedom. So appreciate you being back. We're going to dig into this freedom thing quite a bit. Some of these amendments, we're going to talk about what's going on in today's world how those freedoms are being infringed upon, and just kind of get your thoughts and processes and things that we might be able to look at as opportunities to overcome that. So it's almost the perfect, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's almost the perfect day to to be talking about stuff, uh, specifically about the Bill of Rights. It was December 15th, 1791, that all of the Bill of Rights were ratified and became a part of the Constitution. Mm. So there Happy we go. Happy anniversary, right? Yeah. Happy anniversary. That's mm-hmm. it. So, well, let's talk about the first one. I mean, really, w- of course, obviously where our country is today, there's a there's a ba- basic uh, divide between who those that believe rights are being infringed upon mm-hmm. and those that believe they're not. And we don't want to get into liberal or leftist or, or conservative or rightist. What we want to talk about is the facts themselves. Sure. And let's just talk about free speech. Okay. Obviously, there are, in in you can see it every day, there's m- multiple aspects of people's free speech being infringed upon. Um, first, let's define what free speech is, and then we'll dig into and unpack a little bit about what's going on today. Sure. So, again, I mean, if if you saw the previous episode that, that I was just on, mm-hmm. um, you know, we understand that we have to understand and comprehend the term rights, right? So, so let's define that again for our viewer. Right. So when you're talking about the Bill of Rights, it's just a list of rights that are constitutionally guaranteed. But I would argue the majority, I wouldn't say all, but the majority of these rights that we're going to talk about in the Bill of Rights are also natural rights. So a right is defined as that which is morally correct and just. It's literally the opposite of wrong. So you have a right to life. If someone murders you, they're morally wrong and corrupt and unjust for doing that act, right? Right, almost the obvious. <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about these first 10 amendments to the Constitution, it's it's important to go back to the Constitutional Convention of 1787 to understand how this came into being in the first place. Uh, Initially speaking, you had your Federalists that wanted the Constitution to be ratified, and you had your Anti-Federalists that didn't like it. And there are great men on both sides of this issue. Um, I look at somebody like James Madison. He was a Federalist. He wanted the Constitution. It was basically his, his plan that became the Constitution. He came to Philadelphia in 1787 with this plan laid out that that's how he wanted the Constitution to be structured. And that's, in essence, basically what we ended up with was Madison's plan. That's why he's the father of the Constitution. Uh, And then you had other anti-federalists, like, for example, George Mason, who was a delegate to the Constitutional Convention, who at the end of the day 
did not even sign the Constitution, did not vote to ratify it, was against it, didn't like it, thought that it was too strong of a centralized government. So federalists want a strong centralized government. Anti-federalists would prefer sort of the status quo that we saw under the Articles of Confederation. So let's, before we move forward, let's talk about the federalists. Mm Mm-hmm. And what was their desire and what was their purpose in having a strong centralized government? They saw, and in particular, it was really Hamilton, I think, that led this effort. He's the one that really got the Constitutional Convention rolling. He recruited George Washington to become the president of the convention. Um, it, It was this idea that he saw working under Washington as his aide-de-camp. He was a lieutenant colonel in the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War. He was the guy that was constantly writing letters back and forth to Congress to try to get funding, to try to get money, to try to get food and clothing and blankets and boots and flints and, Mm -hmm. you know, rifles and ammunition and all the stuff that you need. Um, And... With each state, and it's interesting, when you look at the Declaration of Independence, this is the only time you'll ever see referenced the United States of America, right? It says a unanimous declaration from the United States of America. United is not a proper noun. It is not capitalized. It is just a noun. It is just a word that describes what we are. We're so united. The states are united, not right. that it's the United States. Right. And Got so it. in modern America, when you talk to people, um, any American on the street, you know, man on the street sort of question, what's a state? They're going to describe like Texas or Kentucky or, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Ohio. A state. Traditionally speaking, if you look it up in the dictionary, the first definition that you're going to see is it's basically a country. It's a government. Uh, you know, think of uh, the you know Cold War history. You have the USSR. What is it? It's the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. It's those are states. You know, a state. You think about the State Department. What they do. The State Department deals with diplomacy for the United States with other states you know great britain is a state france is a state australia is a state united kingdom mm-hmm. is multiple states correct mm-hmm. so that is a state so when you're talking about states from the perspective of a delegate to the constitutional convention you know then you're talking to these anti federalists like george mason for example when they think of their state they're thinking their country you know, Virginia was where he was from. That was his country. And so that would have you, been the mindset of Americans up until after the, the Civil War. So when you think about that delegation mm-hmm. to that convention and they're writing out the Bill of Rights or they're focusing on developing the Bill of Rights and they're looking at the rights of each citizen of each they state. They don't even get there they in the Constitutional Convention. Okay. Uh, and that's an important distinction. So going forward, once mm-hmm. the Constitution's ratified by nine states, it becomes the law of the land, right? Okay. Um, Which would be the majority. Right. So you have then the Constitution coming into being. Uh, 
the state ratification committees that are taking this issue up in the state houses all across the 13 now states, um, they're deciding whether or not they want to adopt the Constitution. Most of them ratified the Constitution, but they did so with um, the understanding that unless there was a Bill of Rights that was attached to it, they would withdraw their support at a later time. So they did this on credit. They said, all right, we're going to allow you to put this Constitution into practice. However, we want a Bill of Rights. The Federalist argument was, you don't need a Bill of Rights for the national government, okay? And the reason that you don't need a Bill of Rights is because we have so stringently defined what the enumerated powers of this federal government are going to be under this Constitution that we don't need to spell this out because that's going to be a state's issue, all right? The state said, no, 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 no. We want a Bill of Rights. You will provide a Bill of Rights as amendments to this Constitution, and if you don't, within a specified amount of time, we're going to withdraw our support and go back to the Articles of Confederation. So when Madison then runs for Congress after the Constitution's been ratified, and he gets himself elected as the first Speaker of the House, that's the first item on his agenda. He said, we promised promise the states that we were going to go through this process of creating this Bill of Rights, and that's where you get those first ten amendments. Well, let's talk about, and, and it's we're going to break down this first one, but let's talk about free speech okay. from the beginning. Right now, across the United States, free speech is being infringed upon. Sure. In fact, even doing this podcast— you, you have to be careful of what you say or what you don't say mm-hmm. because you'll be suppressed. Right. Suppressed by basically every platform out there. Sure. Uh, mainstream media, um, newspapers will go against you. The mm-hmm. government will come against you. Um, I think back to the time in the pandemic, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. And, and I won't go down that path, but I'm just going to kind of lay out a couple of things. If you spoke out against the vaccine, mm-hmm. you were demonized. Right. Not only from the government, mainstream media, social media platforms, but you were demonized by workforce. Mm-hmm. And you were isolated, set apart, and basically highlighted that you were a conspiracy theorist. Sure. It never came from the Wuhan lab. It never came from China. Mm-hmm. It's it's you need to take the vaccine regardless of the situation. All these things, and then we fast forward to this, twenty twenty three, a short three years later, and now things are coming out that shows that we 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 weren't necessarily conspiracy theorists. We were right. Correct. So so looking at some of the notes I have, let's think about your world in the NSA. Mm-hmm. The intel agencies were paramount and instrumental in suppressing free speech with the multiple weekly meetings with Facebook and uh, Twitter at that Mm -hmm. time, now X. All of those things came out when Elon Musk bought Twitter. Yes, thank God he did. Thank God he did. Yep. And in some respects, and look, regardless of what you think, the facts are the facts. Sure. Were the meetings happening? Yes. 
Were the emails sent to suppress information? Yes. So we're not disputing facts. We're just talking about the infringement upon free speech. Correct. And that's just one. We'll get to some more. Tell me your thoughts on that. Well, I am perplexed because that is not the agency that I was a part of, uh, you know, when I was in my 20s. We had, I can't go into it, you know, on air here um, because of some classification issues. Sure. But Wouldn't just, ask you to. just, you know, let it just stand as, as, as this. This is, this is gospel truth, okay? We existed to spy on other nations, other countries, terrorist organizations, etc. You know, that was our job. Our microphones were never turned around towards America. It was always pointed outward towards mm, that's a good know, analogy. other people overseas, right? Yeah. Uh, our job was to protect America and spy on them. Um, you know, other countries, other countries, Yes, not, we were never focused on the American people. I left in what, 2012. And apparently some things have changed since I've departed from that agency. Uh, it, it would seem to be. Um, so my thoughts are that's wrong. And why is that wrong? Well, because uh, I, I mentioned in the previous podcast that there's a hierarchy of law and I'd like to go through that again. So at the very top you have natural law um, and that is universal in scope. And then you go all the way down and to a particular, right? So there's this scope right on the side, mm -hmm. universal at the top, particular at the bottom. Sure. So you have the laws of nature, right? Natural law. That's God's natural law. That's like, you know, universal in its approach, right? So it doesn't matter what country I happen to be in. I could hop into a time machine uh, and go back to, I don't know, Saudi Arabia in, you know, 300 AD. And if I started hacking people down with a sword in the marketplace, they're not going to put up with that, right? That's right. The yeah. natural law. Right. And so I'm just using that as an example. Like, you know, Saudi Arabia in 300 AD was wildly different culturally, ethnically, religiously, however you want to cut us up into the different boxes, right? Then America in 2023, doesn't matter. It, that universal uh, applies, right? It doesn't matter what time period, what, what geographic location you're in, the religion of the people, you know, think of it like this. There are tribes in the Amazon rainforest here in 2023 that have never met anybody outside of their own little village, right? And if I hacked my way through that jungle, right, and met one of these people, and I find out, oh, this is the chief's uh, wife, and I were to, you know, have an inappropriate sexual relationship with her, what do you think that those people are going to do to me? They're going to hack you. Right. Why? Well, because you don't do that, mm -hmm. you know. How do you know that? Well, because you have this tribe that it, they're not Christian. They don't know that the it's a commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, that that's written down somewhere. They've never read the Bible. They don't, they don't have that. It's that you know, natural law. But it's ingrained in us, right? We have a conscience. That's that word. Let's break that down in Latin. It's a compound word. Con means with. Science means knowledge. 
So if you have a guilty conscience, you're guilty with the knowledge that what you did was wrong, mm -hmm. right? So that exists, and you can't ignore that. So that's the very top, right? Then underneath that, you have the laws of nations, right? So that would be where our constitution is, right? It's the supreme law of the land. And ideally speaking, it's not going to be perfect because it's man-made, not God-made, but it is supposed to be a reflection of God's natural law, right? Uh, as best as we can do, as best as we can pull it off, being imperfect creatures, we're trying to emulate God's natural perfect law. Um, it doesn't always work out, but for the most part, it does. And then underneath that, I would say you have then the next scope is negative law. And mm. we're going to focus on this. So there's negative law, and then directly underneath that, we have positive law. Now I'm going to go to positive law here. Positive law is what you and I think of when we think of just law in general. Like, you know, what's the speed limit on the road right outside the studio here? It's yep. uh, 30 miles an hour. Right. If I go to, you know, I-45, the speed limit's 70, 75 miles an hour, right? Why? Well, because that's positive law. It's not positive in that it's good, but it's positive in that, think of it as like, we have power as mm -hmm. the people, right? We're sovereign. We're empowering the legislative branch of government, whether it's local, state, or federal, whatever. We're giving them the power to craft and create law, right? So why is the speed limit on I-45, you know, 70 miles an hour as opposed to this street over here, 30 miles? Because it's positive law. Somebody enacted a law that said, all right, the speed limit on this road is going to be X. Residential's 30. Right. Highway 70 or something. Exactly. Yep. Right. So that's positive law. Negative law is the opposite of positive law. It's not bad. I, uh, I argue it's actually really good that we have negative law. What we're doing is we're taking the power away from the government to do something about it. And your First Amendment is an example of that. Okay. All right? So the First Amendment, when we talk about freedom of speech, you're saying is a negative law. Right. We're taking away the power of the government to restrict what we say. How does it start? It okay. says, Congress shall make no law. Stop. Full stop. What is Congress's sole purpose of existence? To make law. Mm -hmm. Yes, but you won't make any law about freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the right of the people to assemble, mm -hmm. uh, the freedom of the petition. press, and to yep. petition the government for mm -hmm. redress of grievances, right? You can't touch those. The Second Amendment, well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Negative law. Third Amendment, you can't make us house and quarter soldiers in our homes against our will during peacetime. And if you do so during wartime, it has to be under a specified law that spells it out. Negative law. A police officer can't just say, hey, you look funny. I'm going to search you. Why? I have the Fourth Amendment. Right. That's negative law. You can't just do that. You know, so every one of these rights that we see in the Bill of Rights is an example of negative law. We're not limiting ourselves. Mm -hmm. Rather, we're limiting the government from being and, able to act. And for this, you think about it, all those, you're right, all those are negative. Mm -hmm. and, and we could spend all day on number one. Right. Because of not only the impact of infringement, but also 
in reality, what does it do to the degradation of our country? And so when we think about free speech, we think about the intel agencies. Mm -hmm. Post-2012, you said there was some (laughs) kind of change. Post-2012, there's some kind of change where now the intel agencies are actively pursuing either covert Mm -hmm. or overt messaging and suppression of information. Correct. Now, it really, you know, we talked earlier, I think, and I don't know if it's this episode or the of the previous one, the absence of light is darkness. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened during COVID is we put a spotlight on the darkness. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that you have a messaging cope. And look, think about Alex Jones got taken off of Twitter because they disagreed with him. Sure. They, who is they? It's the Intel agencies. It's the government. Mm-hmm. It's, it's people who di- disagreed with his messaging. And Twitter. And Twitter. Yeah. That's right. Um, then you have all these other politicians that got suppressed or their algorithm suppressed their messaging so it couldn't get out. Now, wait a minute. Th- this is confusing to me because I believe what we have free speech, but, but it's been infringed upon. We do have free speech. Now, if you agree with the narrative, well, let's, let's, let's examine it like this. It says Congress shall make no law. So does that apply only to Congress? It says Congress will make no law. Right. But what about the judicial branch of government? Or mm. the president, doesn't or the judicial. state governments, or doesn't the local mention. governments. At that point, wouldn't Congress step in and re-enable our rights for free speech? I don't know. Uh, I can tell you there was a Supreme Court, a landmark Supreme Court case that no one talks about uh, in the 1830s called Baron v. Baltimore. Baron v. Baltimore. Right, and. What the case was about was it, this gentleman sued the state of Maryland, um, and in particular the city of Baltimore, for suppressing his uh, constitutional rights um, under, you know, founded within the Bill of Rights. And it went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and John Marshall wrote the decision, and he said, no, 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 no. The Bill of Rights only applies to the federal government. It doesn't apply to the state governments at all. This is a federal document. Um, It's the federal government. It's the federal constitution. We're talking about the federal government. The entirety of the constitution, except for Article 4, deals with nothing but the federal government. So, therefore, the Bill of Rights only applies to the federal government. Now, fast forward to after the Civil War, you get the 14th Amendment that is of course, ratified by the several states and passes both houses of Congress. That says that the Bill of Rights now, uh, all of the privileges and immunities, and this is within the Privileges and Immunities Clause of the 14th Amendment, now applies to the state governments because what they were fearful of was that you have these now free men that used to be slaves that the southern states aren't going to recognize the natural free rights of these individuals. So we're going to force the state governments to now 
apply the Bill of Rights and all the privileges and immunities of the Constitution to all the citizens of not just the United States, but of the state wherein they reside. And I would make a pretty strong argument that that would also apply, therefore, to uh, the jurisdictions under the states, which would be, of course, your local governments. You know, and I can <clears throat> see that argument being strong when you think about you, you don't want to go from one state to the next mm -hmm. and have a different standard of laws. Correct. Different, in theory, Bill of Rights mm -hmm. by state. Yes. <clears throat> you want that to be universal. Right. Now, I'm going to say something ugly here, but please don't judge me. So let's take this extreme example. All right. So now we've agreed that the government ought not to, and it's illegal for the government, whether it's the federal government, state government, or the local government from say, saying you can't say that or taking away your First Amendment right. All right. So I have, I have freedom to say whatever I want. Does that mean I have freedom to say whatever I want without consequences? Mm -hmm. If I go down to the third ward down here in Houston and I start screaming the N-word at people, what's going to happen to me? Do we want to talk about that? <laughs> I'm going to get I mean, my butt kicked that's for right, sure. That's exactly right? right. And yeah. I would argue deservably so. Yeah. But that does not mean that I have the right to now go around saying whatever I want and there, there isn't consequences for well, doesn't that. it go back to the same, it's not right to blow somebody away with a 45? Yes, as I would also argue it's not morally correct or just for me to walk up to an African-American or black man and call him the N-word. Yeah. That is not right. That's wrong. You know, and I can't justify that with, quote, free speech. Uh, so our understanding of it, um, like I said, the majority of the... Bill of Rights, you know, the amendments, I think are also natural laws. But I would argue, personally, I don't know that free speech is a natural right. There are times where you don't have a natural right to speak. I cannot go to the halls of Congress or to a courtroom where they're holding a trial and just you know, from the gallery, start shouting and, you know, interrupting the, the proceedings, can I? No. You know, so do I have a natural right to speak? N I'm no. I'm not sure that, I don't think it should fall under natural right. I think it should be under that it's negative a, law. It's a constitutional it's a right constitutional to be sure. Right. But, and mm -hmm. again, but that only applies to government. So this is the sticky situation that we now find ourselves in. With but it was ratified to the states, as you mentioned. Sure. So it may be governmental, but then let's... So does Twitter or X or Facebook or Instagram or any of these people, do they have the ability to silence you if they don't like what you're saying? Is it not, for example, Mark Zuckerberg's private property? It's his company. It's public company. Well, it's a public company. Okay, so fine. It's Mark Zuckerberg and his so, investors. Okay. But I, you see my point. I do. And then, then you talk about precedence, mm -hmm. which gets into the legal aspect. Sure. So if you suppress one because you don't like their message and you set that precedent, but you don't suppress another one because you do like their message, mm -hmm. then aren't you the judge and jury? Sure, but that's a private company. You don't have to join Facebook. You don't have to be on Instagram. I don't have to be on X. 
you know, I so, agree to their terms of policies now, don't I, when I sign up? Mm-hmm. So I'm not arguing that I'm in favor of the government and Twitter during COVID shutting down things like Hunter Biden's laptop from hell. That was awful. Like we wanted to know that we had a right to know that. And the fact that they silenced that story is despicable. Absolutely. You know, but do we have any legal recourse as it stands right now? I would argue, no, I know I'm not a lawyer. I would, I would argue. Yes, we do. Okay. And here's how I would argue that. And I'm not a lawyer either. Mm -hmm. I'm just a normal citizen. Mm -hmm. When you are misled and information is misrepresented as the truth. Sure. Which is what 51 intelligence agency executives did. Mm -hmm. Um, It's what happened before Congress. It's what happened in every mainstream media that was out there. And if you go back to certain emails and communications to those mainstream medias is that we will tell a different narrative. Mm -hmm. And even just the other day, Kennedy was uh, interviewing Ray and he specifically asked him, is the laptop real? And he still wouldn't say it. (laughs) Now we're, we're post the 2020 election. We're post that situation. But when you misrepresent or lie, shouldn't you not be held accountable? Because you misrepresented and lied in a way in which it changed the perception of the entire truth. Sure. So should someone be held accountable for that? I think our government should be. Our government officials definitely should be. They don't have the ability to do those things because that is a clear violation, I would argue, of the First Amendment. And those 51 intelligence people that said it was a Assuming they're still a part of the government, yes. Mm -hmm. But if they're private citizens, you know, I think, for example, uh, my old NSA chief, uh, you know, Michael Hayden, Mm -hmm. uh, who I've met i've had lunch with him nice guy uh i i in particular really like his wife she was very sweet but he was on that list now he i don't he's not a part of the government anymore he's a retired air force general um he was you know he was the dernza he was the head of the cia and now he's retired and And still gets intelligence briefing still has a security clearance sure but he is not a part of the government. He's a private citizen. So do we have any recourse towards him? Under the current laws, I would argue, no, we don't. Same with Twitter at the time. Twitter's a private company. Well, I mean, it's a public company. It trades publicly, but you get my idea. Well, it's private now, X. Right. Yep. You know, but yeah, so can we control that? Can, can, you know, corporations lie to you all the time, you know? It's the best drink ever, you know, like, you know, they lie to you in marketing constantly. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we can do about that. So if the, if the intelligence agency comes to Twitter Mm -hmm. and tells Twitter to take someone off. Right. We have to punish the people that made that decision that Mm -hmm. we do have, that we can call into account because Mm -hmm. they are part of our government. Yeah. And I agree that should happen. It has not happened, but, you know, that's, that's where we need to go. Now, moving forward, the question becomes, 
we have this social media thing, right, that is in existence right now. I would argue that that has largely become the concept of the public square. Well, I, I agree, and then let's let's <clears throat> let's take it this perspective. There is some immunity mm-hmm. that those social media sites um, benefit from. Sure, laws that were passed right to protect them mm-hmm. because they're not supposed to be claimed to be. Um, producers journalists or, right journalists. per se uh-huh, uh-huh. but however they're controlling the narrative right so therefore that puts them in the position of compromising that immunity and puts them in the position of controlling the narrative to what they want it to be so therefore aren't they responsible for controlling the narrative i think what we have to do is we have to demand that we look at social media as the public square that it's it can be regulated no different than something like the utility company used to be back in the 1930s where right. you know it's like no this is a service that is provided to the community yes it's a private company that you're running and for profit etc but you know th- we're going to have some regulation over that and so you can do this very easily through positive law you just regulate the mm-hmm. social media companies and you say you're not going to be liable for what people say on your platform. However, you have to allow people to basically have the First Amendment apply to their posts. And that's exactly what they didn't do. Correct. And they didn't do that because that would that's dangerous towards their overall goals. They, I mean, at the time, you have you know people like Jack Dorsey running Twitter. He doesn't want Trump to get elected. He wants Biden to get elected because he hates Trump and he hates MAGA and he hates America First. He's a globalist. He wants, you know, that America to move towards that leftist sort of march. Uh, this is all antithetical to him. If he allows free speech, no, 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 no. No, you know, it's not free. No, Marxists yeah. will never allow free speech. That's right. It's not in their nature. Right. So, so let's shift from free speech. Let's shift to freedom of religion. Okay. So let's think about the last three years or so. What happened? What happened to the churches during COVID? And I and I I look at COVID probably differently than some people. But what happened to the churches during that time? I think. What ha- the way the churches have managed in America, I would say over the last twenty years, and this is just a reflection of that. You know, mm-hmm. we don't we don't stand up for anything anymore. We go along to get along, and we are not acting in the manner in which I think the church was literally designed to to act. Right. First of all, what is the church? That's the question that you have to ask, right? So the Bible, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, which was Macedonian Greek. You know, Alexander the Great conquered the whole freaking world at the time. And he put into practice the idea that, no, we're all going to speak Macedonian Greek, Koine Greek, Common Greek, okay? Um, And so the eastern half of the Roman Empire, that's what they all spoke. That's why the New Testament is written in that language, right? Um. When you look at the word church in Koine Greek, it's ecclesia, and it is not a building no, it's that people. you go to. It is the called out ones is literally mm-hmm. what it means. And so, you know, 
it's goes down to the whole scripture as like be you know in the world not of the world right uh christ says this is one of my favorite things in greek uh you know it, in your normal english bible it's going to say you know those who uh wish to keep their life will lose it but those who follow me will uh you know uh you know be able to uh keep their life the word life actually is not zoe which would be how you and i would say life uh in greek it's it's psyche it's mind so he's literally saying those who wish to keep their mind will lose it but those who lose it for my sake will keep it the world needs to look at you like you're a little bit crazy because mm. you're supposed to be in the world you're, you're not a little of different. the world you're, that guy's yeah. different that's what yeah. exactly well if you if you go to churches today and I, I i don't disagree with what you're saying most of the churches are pretty pretty down the middle they're not going to get controversial right but if you go to a church today and they get up in the pulpit and they they preach against abortion mm -hmm. Or they preach against um, the hypocrisy in the two-tier justice system that we see today. Sure. Or they preach against what Biden is, and, and just call him out, Biden is doing with the different things that he's doing with the presidency. Mm -hmm. You run the risk. Right. You run the risk They're of terrified. the government shutting you down. The pastors are terrified of losing mm -hmm. their 501c3 status mm -hmm. because then they're going to have to pay taxes. Yep. Um. And to me, it should just be, a, that's another thing that's so easily done that you just, through positive law, pass a national law that says that churches are incapable of losing their 501c3 status. They have freedom of speech. They have freedom of religion. They can say whatever they want. And you cannot take away their tax-free status because you don't like what they're preaching. It's not up to you. You know, I, I was watching a um, the interview with Ray the other day mm -hmm. before Congress, and um, some of the um, interviewers were talking. I can't remember if it was Holly or Kennedy or, or who it was, but ask him point blank about the infiltration of the FBI into the Catholic churches, mm -hmm. asking the clergy and things to monitor and look for radicalization of right. conservatism okay and you think about that and you're like in what world are we living how many catholic protesters recently have been literally arrested for standing outside of an abortion clinic with a sign in protest they're not going up and accosting anybody they're not assaulting anybody they're or, not or the ones just praying right Literally, just outside of an abortion clinic praying, and they're getting arrested for it. How did we get here? I mean, we have, we have certain freedoms. We have the laws that should protect us from assembly, peaceful mm -hmm. assembly. And yet, and, and I don't even want to get into January 6th, but let's use the analogy, peaceful assembly are getting arrested but then you have other organizations burning down communities. Billions nothing, of dollars were spent happens. in 2020 over how, the BLM How do rights. we reconcile that? And we go back to what I mentioned earlier. It's a two-tier justice two system. Two-tier mm -hmm. justice system. Absolutely. And look, I, 
I, if we're not consistent in this manner, you're infringing and demonizing people across all spectrums. So you have to look at this. There's really only two options when you look at the current federal government and the makeup and the tyranny that we are seeing here. Either they are completely incompetent or they're diabolically evil. And I would argue the latter as opposed to the former. Uh, so, so let's just make sure we're clear. Mm-hmm. Incompetence or evil. Right. These are brilliant people. Yeah. You, like, I know Biden's brain's mush nowadays, well, but you know, he's yeah. not a dummy. You know, I mean, he's, you know, in his 80s, you know, <laughs> cognitively he's losing it. I think that's pretty apparent, you know, so that's not a, I'm not trying to disparage the president, you know, uh, you know, there, that happens to elderly people all across from all walks of life, whatever, you know, but he's not running the show. No, you go back to your state, right? Okay. Is the, is the people, the government, the people that are in control, the people pulling the strings Mm -hmm. incompetent or evil? I would say evil. I'm with you. Because it's it's, it's very coordinated. Yeah. It's very deliberate. It's very coordinated. Correct. It's not this they is didn't not accident they didn't like they weren't walking down the street and like tripped over their shoelace and fell and slipped on a banana peel and were like, Oh, oh Twitter, can you take down all the uh, New York Post stuff about mm. uh you know Hunter Biden's laptop? Yeah. Can we can we suppress all this information yeah. just Oops. because I'm Ooh, that's an accident. Sorry, I didn't mean to let that slip. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely you know, not. Uh, and I'm 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 for these one liners. I think one of the funny things I had is when I think it was Gates was interviewing Ray and mm-hmm. who 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 has the information on the laptop? I don't I don't know. I don't I don't I don't recall where that is. He's well, I've got it right here. And he handed it to him. So now you know the mm-hmm. FBI has everything. And then I think about uh, and I, I look, I'm not, I'm not trying to dissect this. I'm trying to show, and this is a great analogy for people. When you think about this dirt road to success, and we all have our challenges, mm-hmm. right? But we all want a level playing field. Right. And when you, when you have people who are being suppressed or you have people, and I'm, I'm saying of all walks of life, all colors of life are being suppressed mm-hmm. and they're being arrested and giving penalties that are different than someone else, mm-hmm. that to me is well. It's a violation of the Fourteenth and Fifth Amendments. Yeah, first of it, all, I, I have problems with that. <laughs> you know, just be level. Be everybody be on the same playing field. I'm not perfect, sure, uh, but but be fair. Yeah, That's well, equal key. protection under the law. Equal that prote- is what it is that not. is the standard. It is unequal protection under the law right Correct. now. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's an issue. So mm-hmm. we need to get back to a place where we're actually doing what we're supposed to be doing. And the Constitution's there to be the guardrails. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what the whole idea of negative law is. We're taking away the power from the government so they don't go crazy. You know, I don't know, quote Federalist 51 from James Madison. You know, if. <laughs> If men were angels, no government would be needed. Hmm. But men are not angels. No, we're not. So the great difficulty lies in this. We have to empower the government to rule over men, but not give the government so much power that they will roll over the rights of men. 
you know, I, I, and we'll, we'll move on from here. Mm -hmm. The, The statement I would make is put your child, your son or your daughter in the same shoes as a Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. And we, we obviously know he's done drugs, and drugs is a terrible, terrible thing. Sure. Um, we have seen pictures that I don't even want to get into. Right. Videos. Yep. Uh, we've seen text messages, conversations. Right. And but by the way, if you're a, you know, a, a teenager or in your 20s or even your 30s or 40s out there and you're thinking about going on a, you know, cocaine binge weekend where you're smoking crack and, you know, hanging out with prostitutes, do yourself a favor. Don't video record that. <laughs> yeah, really. But put your son or daughter in that same situation and would they be getting the same treatment? Absolutely not. And, and and that's what I think bothers me the most is that normal citizens that work every day, that pay taxes, mm-hmm. that go to, you know, struggle sometimes check to check or, or you know, you know, oh, we can't take a vacation this year. We just don't have enough money. Or right. are struggling with the cost of inflation and food and fuel right now is just one thing, not to mention housing, are sitting here going like, how how does this guy make millions of dollars a year do all of these things, it becomes extremely public, mm-hmm. and yet lives in the White House. <laughs> well, the answer is simple. We are in operating in a post-constitutional uh, mm. era. Goes back to your previous segment mm-hmm. on Constitution. So let's let's kind of move on um, to the press. Okay. And, you know, I, I got a really good friend, lives in St. Louis, and and I'd called him one day and I said, look, you know, you got all this. He's retired, so he's got a lot of time to study the news and, you know, kind of dig into that. And I said, what's what's the the truest form of newspaper? Newspaper, because I like to read the newspaper. I like to get it, read it, yeah. circle it, highlight it. I'm just that weirdo. Sure. Right? I don't, I, I can do it online, but I don't care to. I'd rather read it. That's why I like books. I like real books in my hand. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, what's the most conservative newspaper that you can buy that would give you the truth? And I'm not talking about left and right conservative. I'm Mm -hmm. saying just the facts, ma'am. You know, the old show, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. And he didn't know. And that's a sad day in this Republic. Mm -hmm. It's a sad day in this Republic when we can sit there and say, is there any news medium out there that doesn't give us a slanted bias? And the answers could be no. He, I mean, I'm saying what he said. I don't know of one. Well, I don't know that we've ever had that, to be honest. I mean, when you go back to the 1790s, mm-hmm. uh, when you get your first you know, political parties forming, you have your Federalist Party under Hamilton mm-hmm. and your... Democratic Republicans under Jefferson. There were Democrat-Republican newspapers and there were Federalist newspapers. In fact, the New York Post, we were just talking about that, was a Federalist paper. You know who the founder of the New York Post was? Who? Alexander Hamilton. Oh. Why did I not know that? That was his newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. So it's literally the oldest newspaper in America. Hmm. Um, So the New York Post was not at the time in the 1790s promoting democratic republican principles mm-hmm. they were attacking them 
Um, they were strong Federalists. You had your Democratic-Republican papers, and basically, as an American, if you were a Democrat, then uh, Republican, you'd go out and you'd find your Democratic-Republican papers. Um, <laughs> you know, you talk about the ink being dry. You know, this is nothing new. Right. Uh, John Adams, God, I love him. What a great guy. You know, I love John Adams. He was terrible president. <laughs> you know, okay. he. So what? What makes you think he was a terrible president? Tell well, me. Look at the some... Alien and Sedition Act. Well, I mean, okay. so like yeah. the Alien and Sedition Act of eighteen ninety eight. He goes out and he literally f- makes Congress pass a law called the Sedition Act, where you know if you're a Democratic Republican, uh, Adams was a Federalist, and you're writing an op-ed about how terrible fat John Adams is, you know, (laughs) and you say that in your newspaper, John Adams' government is going to come and close down your printing press, Hmm. which was a clear violation of the First Amendment. Isn't that kind of what's happening now? Sure. Um, The response to that was James Madison and Thomas Jefferson both wrote resolutions. The Virginia Resolution was written by Madison, um, and the Kentucky Resolution was written by Jefferson, and they attacked the the idea that that was a violation of the First Amendment. You can't mm-hmm. do that. Um, yeah. Jefferson went a bit further than Madison. Um, both of them say that basically what you're going to do if if a law passes that's clearly a violation of the Constitution that according to Madison and the Virginia resolution, what should happen is the state legislature should pass resolutions condemning the act. Jefferson says, not only should you do that, but basically if it is a violation of the constitution, then the law is null and void. I like that one. You know, if it's, if it's against the constitution, it should be null. Well, that runs into, you run into some other issues then, Mm. because then you're going to have, States running around saying that, oh, that's nullified here. We're not going to. Then well, your whole system true. falls apart, yeah. right? And that's why I'm not a constant. I mean, I don't. I'm right. not a student, you know, of the per se constitution. You know, John Marshall's response to that was to basically whole invent out of whole cloth this mm-hmm. idea of judicial review. Yeah, it's not judicial review. You know what the Supreme Court does full time now, all the time. Uh, every June we see the responses of, of that. Uh, he invented that out of whole cloth uh, with Marbury versus Madison. That's mm. not in Article 3 of the Constitution. Mm. If you find judicial review in the, in the United States Constitution, the words judicial review, talk to me. I'll give you a million dollars. All right. I like that. I need that a million dollars, but it's not in there. It's not. It's not in there. Yeah. yeah. So free speech, we talk about uh, the mainstream media. Uh, we talk about the freedom of the press, and we, we have seen in some instances where people have published things and been attacked for them, just like what we talked about. Sure. And yeah, okay, I agree. Maybe there's not a, well, a single paper out there, but we're talking about truth. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about left, right, or whatever. We're talking about truth. Well, the co- I think that's where they've gotten away. It's their own worldview of truth. Sure. Well, let's quote Pontius Pilate. Mm. What is truth? What is truth? The fool. He's standing in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> Pontius Pilate. He's the truth is standing yeah. in front of you. Yeah. You know, but what a question. What is truth, right? It, do, you, do you think that 
there is going to be an opportunity, and I believe there is, and I believe it's starting. I think we see the momentum Mm -hmm. of the podcast, the things that we're doing right here. Sure. Creating an opportunity where truth can get out there. Yes, I do. I think this is going to be a very tumultuous uh, couple of years for us as this technology that we have evolves, right? Um, It is not going to make life... it, it, while it makes life easier and simpler in some in some ways, it it also makes society that much more complex, and we have to work that out. I liken uh, the digital revolution that we're seeing here. That mm-hmm. we'll just call it that, right? Podcasts, the internet, digital enlightenment. Sure, I see it very similarly to what happened with the printing press. Uh, coming into existence, right? The printing press is invented. Now you can print whatever you want to print, right? And who who got to write books before the printing press? Well, the clergy, really. Mm-hmm. In, That's right. In monasteries, right? Uh, they're, and they're the ones sitting there literally with a, a quill and ink handwriting this stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. And so the process is laborious. It is expensive. Uh, why are these monks able to write these books? Well, because they have a whole nother group of monks that live in the in community with them that are providing them for their needs. Their needs are met, right? The church is literally subsidizing their ability to do this work. Well, now the printing press comes out. Well, any schmuck with a printing press can print whatever they want. Well, while that's cool and good, as long as the works that they're printing is, are cool and good, right? Uh, what happens when they start printing all sorts of wackadoody crazy stuff, right? Uh, well, it's it's no no coincidence that all of a sudden the printing press is invented and then boom, the Protestant Reformation happens. Hmm. Why? Well, because the ideas can spread. Yeah. Well, if you're a Catholic and you don't like Luther and you think that that whole things a problem well that's getting out of hand we got to shut that down we got to right? suppress that right well because you want to control your your faith and you, if you, you are an ardent catholic it's, yeah you know you believe in the papacy you believe that peter was the first pope you believe all this these institutions that have been around for now you know 1500 years shouldn't just be thrown out. We're not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater here. Right? And that's what these Lutherans are, are doing, right? So we got to work that out. And it's no surprise that you have literally like, what, 300 years of religious civil wars in in Europe after the printing press comes out and the Protestant Reformation happens. It was not easy sailing, okay? Was it in the end a good thing for humanity in general? I would say, yeah. It was. It was a good thing. You know? Like, even if you are an ardent Catholic, like, you know, what comes out of that? You get the Council of Trent. You have, you know, you're codifying new ideas within the Catholic Church. There was Reformation that even happened in the Catholic Church in response to the Protestant Reformation. Mm -hmm. They're not doing the indulgences anymore after that, right? So this all works together, right? So these, this social media, this so digital revolution can be a good yeah. thing, but it's, it, you know, 
are there going to be potholes in the, the dirt road going forward? Uh, sure. Yeah, they're going to be. But, you know, it's it's heading in a direction that I think can be a, a very I, good thing. I think we're going to see opportunities arise in a new type of business. Sure. And what I mean by that is you're going to have – I'll give you an example. <coughs> and they're not sponsoring me. I'm just making this name. name. Old Glory Bank. Okay. Came out and said, we're a conservative bank. You know, we're not going to allow them to infringe upon your rights. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so it's been this movement. You know, it's um, certain political people have kind of gotten behind that. I think even John Rich is behind it. You know, it's a, and I, and I have an account there. Sure. Okay. Um, I'm broke, so I don't have any money there, but hey, I do have the debit card. Right. But my point is, is that they're going to be this new movement. And so you have the uh, X's of the world that are going to be a platform where the inherent belief today is that freedom of speech or messaging is going to be okay. Right. Um, you have Facebook. We know that is suppression. We know that Instagram will suppress. Mm -hmm. We know that other mediums will suppress. You know, if you don't do um, what they want, Spotify will take you off. Sure. You know, that kind of stuff, right? I see a business opportunity for a new platform to come out that will allow you within the guidelines to put things on a, on a web and, and share them out that will be shows like this that, we, you know, we're not doing anything controversial. We're just talking about facts sure. that won't be suppressed, that the Alex Joneses won't be suppressed, the Tucker Carlson's won't be suppressed. Well, we have that. We have Rumble, right? We Rumble. have yeah. We have, you know, Twitter. We have Truth Social, mm -hmm. you know. But look at who had to step up and create that. That's right. That's what I mean. I think you it's know, new opportunities. Well, yeah, but it's new opportunities, but only for, you know, people that have billions of dollars in the bank, you know. Mm -hmm. Thank God for Elon Musk for buying Twitter. Mm -hmm. you That's know? right. Uh but, you know, Did I... Did you see I, that, uh, and I don't know, uh, it seemed like it was yesterday came out. Is Netflix now advertising back on X? I don't know. I didn't see that. But okay. I think I, I saw that yesterday. But, you know, if I wanted to do that, I can't do that. I don't have a billion dollars, you know? No. Trump, True Social, when he got mm -hmm. kicked off of Twitter, he's like, fine, I'll make my own. That's well, right. Again, another billionaire. Creating right. another social yeah. media platform, right? Yeah. So w, like, two, w two guys, it's going to be hard for us to do that for sure. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to be in a position to really mm -hmm. do that. So you know, if we didn't have these two gentlemen that happen to, I wouldn't even say they're super conservative. You know, um, they just believed in free speech enough to put their money to work. And thank God they did, or mm -hmm. we would have nothing. <laughs> and I, I think that's why this method of communication is going to work. And it's going to begin to be more and more exploding. And it becomes more and more affordable. So, like, as a filmmaker now, right? Like, yeah. I couldn't have done this 10 years ago. The right. technology didn't exist to where I could literally make a quality production without having hundreds of millions of dollars worth of equipment and talent in order to do it. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, like, you know, I can, I can put a show together and especially here in Montgomery County where I'm not having higher SAG after actors. I'm not having 
you know, I can go to, for example, we filmed a, a TV show back in April. We filmed uh, one of the scenes at Backwoods Saloon off of 1488. I walked mm-hmm. into Backwoods and I said, hey, can we film a TV show here? They're like, yeah, sure. Sounds awesome. Thank yeah. you. That would have cost me $50,000 a day to do out in L.A. Yeah. You know, but I can do that here. Why? Well, because now I have the mobile technology in order to actually go out to and film stuff here in Texas. That infrastructure doesn't need to be in place the way that it is in Hollywood. You know, that brings up the next point of of the freedom to assemble, Mm -hmm. you know, without reprisal. And think about, you talked about going out and doing a show. Um, There are are places where you go try to do an assembly, a show, or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have people screaming and hollering and protesting and wanting to fight you. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I see some of this on the social media sites following some of these things. And you have, you have this controversial view that because you believe in one thing and I don't, I can come infringe upon your rights mm-hmm. and push you and slap you and spit on you and all these things. And yet uh, you can't touch me because it's my right to do that to you. And go back to the natural law. Mm-hmm. We all know that's not right. Correct. Uh, because if I did it to you, you would scream to the heavens. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I say that to say you're in a position now where you're able to do those things. However, we may be going down a path where that may not be available to you in the future. Well, that's why we need to fight right now in order to make sure that we get mm-hmm. our voice out there in all of these aspects of culture that I've been speaking about. Education, Education and media. Yeah. Uh, in particular, mm-hmm. those are the two wings that I really think that we've neglected and that we really need to focus on going forward. Because if we lose those two things, forget it. It's game over. So if we lose our education system and don't teach our students mm-hmm. how to think for themselves, correct? understand the purpose, the value, the meaning, and the passion behind Declaration of Independence, Constitution, and Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. And then we fast forward that through to the education system that teaches them how to think for themselves, create a medium of communication for themselves right. where they can get their messaging out. And there's going to be some that say, hey, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Sure. Great. We, I think that's perfect. Mm-hmm. But for people who want to get that messaging out, we need to create a platform so that they'll be able to do that. Absolutely. And I think we need to create a, we need to create whole systems that address these issues. Um, we need, I think, school choice in the state of Texas, universal school choice, not just for 62,000 students, but rather for 6 million. Every single Texan should have money that follows their kid that they can spend on the education that they want their kid to have. Which brings me to the next point is we need to be very diligent in making sure we have the right representation in the Senate, Congress, any body of governing Mm -hmm. over not just the state, but at a federal level. Sure. We're fortunate here in Montgomery County. I'm going to brag on a couple of, you know, our local politicians here. Uh, You know, we have, Three fantastic state senators. Uh, we have Brandon Crichton, depending on where you live in Montgomery County. We have Brandon Crichton, Lois Colkhurst, and uh, Paul Betancourt. And they are just, all three of them are phenomenal. Uh, we have, you know, 
I would say out of our representatives, I, I really like Steve Toth a lot. He's fantastic. He's a fighter, tooth and nail, always there, reliable. Like even if you're not one of his constituents, you can call that guy and he'll help you. Um, Cecil Bell Jr., who's uh, my state rep, um, he's not as out there, uh, you know, um, on radio shows and TV shows and he, you know, but he's a different kind of guy. He's more of the support behind the scenes kind of guy. And that's important too. And you need those. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But he votes the right way, you know, um, on every issue, you know, um, I was disappointed with representative Metcalf, um, because of how he voted on the impeachment of Ken Paxton. He voted for it. I think that's just reprehensible. Uh, be it that there was no due process of law, the witnesses weren't sworn in under oath, it was rushed through in two days. There's no way if I was a representative I would have voted for any of that nonsense. Uh, and I, I think Will Metcalf made a big mistake voting for impeachment. Um, and that's unfortunately going to stain his reputation, or ought to stain his reputation going forward. Um, but... We, we're lucky here in Montgomery County to have you know, those individuals. I, I almost want to tell you, don't tell everybody where we live because we do have a little piece of heaven <laughs> here. I don't know that that's going to work, man. Yeah, uh, 200,000 people a year move here. It's you know a that? great county. It's yeah. a great county. It but is. we've managed to keep it red. Mm-hmm. We've managed to keep it strong. And we've managed to keep it, I would say, independent. Um, and so if you're going to move here, that's great. Welcome. You know, Texas means friend, Mm -hmm. but, you know, don't bring your crappy politics with you that you left from the state that you're fleeing. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That would that would be my my advice to you. Uh, But going forward, that's what we need to do is we need to get these people into office that are going to fight, that are going to stand on principles. Look, if I were running for, you know, the House of Representatives, let's say, say the Texas House, right? I would say, you know, I have principles that I will 100%, like, it's a hill that I'm dying on. I will not compromise on those principles because if I compromise on them, then they aren't principles. If it's not a principle, then it's something that I'm willing to compromise on, you know. So, core value. Right. Principle. Principle, you can negotiate core value steadfast, concrete, not No, I would say core value and principle are synonymous. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. You know, but if it's not, if it's not something like that, yeah, you can work with other people to try to get things done. That's how politics works. But you should never compromise on things that, like, for example, natural law. So like anything that's a natural law, right? Like I'm not going to pass a law that says that, you know, we're going to suppress freedom of speech, you know, or a gun grab to take away your right to defend yourself. Uh, you know, that, that is not negotiable. That is not on the table to be compromised. Those are principles. And, you know, again, going back to our previous uh, conversation, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed with the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that governments are meant to secure these rights. That's the purpose of government. So if you're, compromising on these issues mm-hmm. you're an illegitimate government you're you not know, i i think about these things and and you know and i appreciate you scott mm-hmm. for coming on a second time and talking about sure. these freedoms but i want to say this to our viewer 
that we are at a critical, pivotal moment in the history of this dirt road that we call a country. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think we're out of the woods. We've not made it to clear selling. We've not made it to the pavement because what I feel like is we've gone backwards yes. in a lot of the things that we have tried to accomplish. And so what I would tell our viewers, you need to be diligent. You need to be diligent about who you elect. You need to be focused on the right person for the job. Yes. And you need to know. Don't just blindly go in and vote for someone. Know what their core values and their principles are. Even if they have an R next to their name. Absolutely. That's right. It does not matter. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is the person that is going to stand for uh, the Constitution, the, the Bill of Rights. Right. We've really gotten off topic here and off, off I think, off the rails a uh, hundred years ago or okay. so. Right. You have these progressives, you know, and these are old school progressives, not the modern day progressives. We're talking Teddy Roosevelt, uh, William Howard Taft, uh, Woodrow Wilson. They come in with their progressive mentality. It's a rejection of natural law theory, number one. So, you know, obviously I'm going to reject anybody that subscribes to that idea. Uh, And number two, it's a rejection of just human nature. uh, they're blind. You know, they're going to reject 3,000 years of, of intellectual thought about human nature in the state of man. Um, the idea is, you know, if you're a progressive, we can progress. We can evolve as a society to a point where, you know, we can improve everything through government by having experts that run the government that know better and have the people's uh, welfare and best interests at heart. Uh, Calvin Coolidge, who's one of my favorite presidents, um, he said this uh, almost 100 years ago in 1926 on the 150th year anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. He said, in response to these progressives, that um, if we have a right to life, then that is final. If we have a right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness, those are final, right? That anybody that comes along that purports to have made progress towards these things cannot because of the finality of these concepts. Mm. Uh, The idea that God has placed in this immutable natural law, this unchangeable natural law that is perfect you can't improve upon perfection and that anybody that claims to make progress are actually regressing to a point where we did not have the guarantees of these rights that we currently enjoy you know it, it makes me think of in scripture mm-hmm. and it talks about what's the greatest commandment love the lord your god with all your heart your own mind your all your soul and then, obviously, what's the next part? Love your neighbors, you love yourself. That's right. So there's, mm-hmm. there's the foundation. Right. That is natural law. That, and you go back to what you right. just said. That's the foundation. Yes, we build upon that. Sure. But that's the foundation. Right. And so now we're at this place now where we have this post-constitutional America, uh, largely due to the work of these progressives that then became liberals during the FDR administration and the New Deal and all that. And then going forward to now our modern day progressives, which really, I think, 
a better New Deal. A better idea of what they are is I would say they're Marxists. Mm. They're leftists. I agree. They're not liberals. Liberals believe in what you and I are talking about. Liberals believe in freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of, you know. Marxists believe you own nothing and you'll be happy. Right. From each according to their uh, needs to each, uh, from each according to their ability to each according to their needs, right? Well, what's the whole point of Marxism? The whole idea is, you know, you have this proletariat that, um, you know, is being ruled over by the bourgeoisie, and that's not fair, and that's not right. We, what we really want to do is we want to make everybody equal. We want to make everybody a part of the proletariat, right? And that's how we're going to achieve equality, okay? And so the problem is, in their effort to achieve equality, they're automatically making kings, you know, this oligarchy, uh, of the Communist Party to decide what my needs and abilities are. Well, if you get to decide what my needs and abilities are, well, then are we really e truly equal? No. You killed a bourgeoisie in order to make another bourgeoisie the rule over the proletariat. That's right. That's communism. Yep. That's socialism, folks. That's what you young people claim you want. It is not what you want. I promise you. Scott, thank you. I appreciate you being on the show. Sure. Man, I mean, this is good stuff, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to have you back again. We're going to talk some more topics. We have to talk about how to fix it, yeah, and I have a plan for key. that, too. Yeah, that's the key, um, and, and I'm just going to plug something real quick. Sure. Just, hey, go to go to the website that's going to be on the uh, screen. Check out the new movie coming down the pipe, a new show that Scott and them are putting together, Six Pence Productions. Six, Six Pence.pro is okay. the company's website, Great. and the website for the show is High Places. Uh, show.com high places places show.com correct check it out support him they're doing great work it's all independent films so you know we don't have big sponsors we don't have people paying the, the bills on this thing so appreciate your time look forward to seeing you on the next show thank you thank you